Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Well, well, well. I thought we were going to start this podcast by talking about the fashion from the Oscars. I know. It's always my favourite morning of the year when we get to talk about who wore what on the red carpet. But Jesus Christ... Will Smith. I, I know. I'm so confused by the whole thing as well. Like, I haven't sat and gone through, like, I'm, you know, I'm probably sitting on one side at the moment because I've only really seen one side. But um, I, I just don't get it. Like, why did he think that was okay? I understand if someone offends, you know, your family member, of course. But I, I, in, my, in my head, I'm sort of seeing it in a work environment. You know, like he of was course. in a work environment. And so, you know, does someone insult your partner in a work environment? You don't punch them in the face. <laughs> so basically, this is how my morning has gone because I was in for Amanda today. So I yes. got in a taxi this morning at 5 a.m., was looking online, um, you know, went straight to the dresses, got into work and the security guys were glued to their computer screen. And I was like, oh, morning, guys. And they were like, oh, my God, have you seen the Will Smith slap? And I was like. Well, come on. I was like, Will Smith and Chris Rock, they must have done it as a prank. I genuinely thought it was a prank. By the mm. time I'd gone upstairs, I'd watched it on YouTube, so in the lift, and my, I was aghast, but I could not get my head around what I had seen. I mean, so let's just break this down for a second. The, the, do you know the context of the joke? It was the fact that he, Chris Rock was yes. basically take, you know, saying a really inappropriate joke, taking the Mickey out of Jada and her alopecia, which mm. is horrendous. Yeah, bang out of order. Com- completely and utterly out of order. Bang out of order. Like you said, at that point, to then see, he was laughing, right? Will Smith was laughing. To then see him get up, walk onto stage. I mean, at that point, do you think he thought, oh, I'm going to slap, Chris here it was just the most horrendous display of violence like it was horrible to witness yeah I I know that that, this is what I don't this is what I don't understand it's like two very inappropriate things (laughs) like first off slagging someone and and especially for a condition that they you know have no control over and it's probably you know she's probably quite self-conscious of and what I don't know what he thought you know he was going to achieve by by doing that but then for that then will smith to think that that would be a good reaction oh god on such a 
I just, I just can't. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And my overriding feeling was that, like, how sad that moment was that it absolutely categorically should never have happened. But also for the rest of the Oscars, you know, like Beyonce's mm. performance and Jessica Chastain winning her Oscar, and you know, just that whole moment was for Venus and Serena, and they'll never get that moment back. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I mean, wow. I think every single person globally would have had a conversation about the Will Smith slap today. So. Oh, oh, absolutely, and and also like, just it just ha- is yeah, like you say, it's just completely taken over the whole event. Like no mm. one is talking about anything else other than that scenario and that happening, mm. and mm. how he could just carry on as well, like nothing had happened. Because <laughs> like, I'm sure things have happened in the past and people have been like escorted out. Look and- at Kanye. Look at Kanye yes, when exactly. Kanye stood on stage. Oh, I mean, yeah. didn't he get his Grammy taken away from him yes. or something? Yeah, but it's fine. He just sat back down like nothing had happened. I mean, well. I know. Imagine if well, our children behave like that, hey? <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Kit keeps hitting people at school and I'm like, what's going to happen to him? Is he going to be all right? I mean, no. You'll Clearly, be pleased he'll to hear. be fine. He just gets to sit back down again. <laughs> You'll be pleased to hear that he's actually um, seems to have turned a bit of a corner and peace at last has resumed and actually oh, I think good. it was coming off the back of him having quite a nasty bug that he was yeah. kind of acting out and not be really being himself and I think you can tell from my voice that I'm still fighting this bloody cold I know it's like we are what is it seven eight days in now Day- that you've yeah been yeah Ed, there's so much stuff going around like literally <laughs> I, I feel like last week was just a write-off for me complete right yes norovirus yeah. and then i had two days drinking which was a really bad idea <laughs> oh, on the back God, of norovirus Jesus, who are you and yesterday i just felt i just felt so sorry for myself <laughs> <laughs> poor you for having all the fun oh, oh God. we had a few people around on saturday and at one point that all the kids were on the um on the trampoline and i i like kit came off and was like mommy and he was like covered in green snot and i looked in his hair and i was like wow, there's so much snot in your hair. I don't think it can be yours, you know, because it was like in a position that he would never have been able to get someone else's. Yeah, your nose could not possibly be able to touch that part of your head. Oh, it's so grim. It is, it is. Um, Listen, let's get into the chat today because um, it was a really amazing conversation. I'm so glad that we finally got to sit down virtually with um, this incredible lady. And actually, uh, what a great time as well, because just released her new book, um, she's kind of coming out of maternity leave. She's really kind of seeing motherhood on the other side of that sort of yeah. first year of like fogginess. So it was a really raw chat, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I just also really enjoyed, you know, listening to how her and her um, fiance met the first yeah. night. I mean, you're, you know, stay stick around obviously for the chat because I don't want to give anything away but their meeting was funny and they were very drunk and it's all quite a normal situation normal situation <laughs> and probably happens every day at work parties there you go who we're chatting to today today we are chatting to Kate Lawler I've got to say, I've got the biggest smile on my face today because we have wanted to sit down with this incredible woman for a really long time. Uh, Presenter, podcaster and mother now. I love saying that to Noah. Um, This incredible lady shot to our screens. Uh, Back in 2002, she was the first female contestant to win 
Big Brother. I know. And I knew at the time watching her, I was like, she's going to be a pal, this one. Uh, since then, of course, she's carved out a very successful media career, broadcaster, a radio presenter. She's also now an author with Maybe Baby on the Mother Side, which is out now. It's Kate Lawler. What an intro. Thank you for bigging me up. I can go now. You've just done all the <laughs> hard it, work. done. <laughs> we always like to start by asking our guests, how are you? How's your morning been? How have the last couple of weeks been? What's going on? The morning has been full on, as you can imagine, with three children, two being dogs. Shirley's had three fights mm. in the park with three <laughs> other dogs. She's honestly such a fire starter. She's laying next to me now after having pooed in this room that I'm talking to you from. Um, oh. Noah's great. Uh, she's very excited because my twin sisters just got here and she loves her. So she's uh, that's she's downstairs now. Just tell me if you can hear her because my twin sister tends to sing nursery rhymes really loudly. <laughs> which ones are we get? Which ones are we going to get? Wheels on the bus. I could just it's... hear wheels on the bus just before we connected, right. and I was like, she's. I thought I was loud, and I've just had a toasted hot cross bun, uh, oh, which the handsome yes. made me. He said, just eat something before you do this podcast because you're going to oh, be hungry. Dreamy, and my husband stole my charger. That's what he's done <laughs> for me today. Calls me a calls me grief. So great. <laughs> I love that you're calling the handsome. Because y- you guys seem into each other. I mean, the chemistry is really obvious. Is it? Like, you look so great together in all of your photos. Look, I know, Instagram curated and stuff, but I've seen you guys yeah. together. They're, you know, you're, you're, you're a good match. I'm really into him. I don't know how he feels about me after the past <laughs> year. Please still want to marry me. Yeah, I love him. He is the one. He is so handsome, but he's more than just a pretty face, guys. Okay, let's not yeah. make him yeah. feel. But he 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 doesn't like walk around going, yeah, I know I'm fit. He's very humble about his appearance. How did you guys meet? We met at the Kerrang Awards. You know, Kerrang Magazine and Kerrang Radio. So yeah. I used to work yeah. for Kerrang years ago and I was like hosting their drive time show and on the radio and he worked for Bauer Media. So he worked in sales. He used to sell the magazines. So we both happened to be at the Kerrang Awards in 2013. And I came down from Birmingham on the train to the awards. I was living in Birmingham at the time. He was living in London. And I just remember being getting very drunk very quickly because at the Kerrang Awards, they put a bottle of Jaeger, but a Jägermeister on every table. And that gets drunk very very rapidly by everybody uh, in shots, in rounds of shots. So I don't really remember much of that night, but I do remember him coming over to me, like making a proper move, proper beeline he did, and Ooh. just pushed somebody out of the way who was speaking to me and was like, hi, I'm Martin. And I was like, oh, have you got any nicknames? I'm really not a fan of them. <laughs> I feel so bad now, and I'm really sorry if your name's Martin and you're listening. All I could think of was, you know Little Britain, the comedy, the, the yes. sketch where – um, David Walliams is the, I'm sure she, he plays the head teacher. Martin, Martin, yeah. it's Martin. Linda. Martin. Martin, it's Linda. So I just said, have you got any nicknames? And he said, yeah, why? I was like, I'm just not really a fan of the name Martin. Reminds me of the snotty nose kid in my class at school. That's and then he hysterical. said, yeah, my nickname's Bodge, but that's just for friends. And I was like, well, we're not any more than that at the minute. So yeah, I'll call you Bodge. Um, and the reason his name's Bodge is because it's the first three letters of his last name, which is really difficult to pronounce. So everybody always pronounces his name Bodge Toss but it's not Bodge Toss. So that's how he got the nickname Bodge. And now he's been promoted to the handsome. The I know, handsome, yeah. yeah. I just like, when I met him, I was like, you are really handsome. And I just started calling him the handsome. So it's been his nickname since I met him. He's come a long way. Was it a bit of a thunderbolt moment between the two of you? Because I, I I say that about me and Dawes. I think when we met, I knew. I was a bit like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, I'd, met, I'd met the handsomes before, but this one was <laughs> handsome and funny and smart and fit. Yeah, ticked all the boxes. Yeah. So you knew straight away. Yeah. Well, I was pretty hammered so I do remember getting in a taxi with him I remember saying I've got to go back to Birmingham 
because I'm, I'm going for drinks with work pals, but you can come with me if you want. And he said, come with you back to Birmingham. And I said, yeah, why not? And he was like, all right then. So I went, grab that bottle of wine. Yes. And drink that on the way home. So then we got to London Euston and he was at the, I remember him being at the ticket machine going, am I really doing, is this a wind up? I was like, just get your ticket and get on the train. And then we got on the train and I was so hammered. I asked a woman who had a massive um, cello uh, on the seat next to her if she could move her violin because I didn't like <laughs> facing backwards. And she was, I mean, I was so drunk. And then Bodge said, let's just go and sit over here. And we sat on the train together and then we drunk the bottle of wine that I'd nicked from the Kerrang Awards. And then I don't really remember what happened. All I remember is that I was so drunk by the time I got to Birmingham New Street that I forgot to go to work drinks. I just went taxi to... 27A, whatever road I was living on. Yeah. And he came back with me. And then in the morning, I was like, hi, what's your name? Did we? Oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, we did. And I was like, oh, that's a wounder because I don't remember a thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Terrible, right? And then I said, you know what? We we laid in bed for a long time, just chatting and chatting and chatting. And then I was like, okay, I, I've, I, he was like, I've got to go to work. And I was like, who works on a Saturday? He went, it's Friday. And I was like, oh, I've, I've got, got to go to work. <gasps> oh my goodness, it's Friday. And so I dropped into the station and I went into work and everyone said to me, where were you last night? I said, don't ask, it's a long story. And we, we became friends on Facebook before he left. And so we were chatting on Facebook. And then like a couple of weeks later, I said, I'm down in London this weekend, if you fancy meeting up. And he just didn't expect it. He thought it was a one-night stand. He thought that was it. Um, he walked into his office to a round of applause because everybody knew where he'd gone. Yeah. Oh God, this is incredible. Everyone knew where he'd gone. He walked into the office the next day with the same clothes on that he'd worn to the Kerrang Awards. And everyone stood up and gave him a round of applause. And he was like, cheers, thanks, nice one. Um, yeah, and then, and, then I, and then I met up with him. And I nearly, very nearly didn't. It was, I remember it was Father's Day. Yeah, because it was June. June is Father's Day, isn't it? So yeah. we met in the June. And then I was going for a Father's Day meal with my family. And I said, I'll come to you in the evening. We'll go for a, like a drink. And then I'll stay at yours because I lived in Birmingham at the time. And um, I remember going out the night before and I was so drunk. I was so hungover. God, I used to get pissed. Oh, yeah. I was about to say that. <laughs> oh, I, I, I did. And then I remember going to my dad's Father's Day meal. And I was like, I can't bother to go out with this guy tonight. I just, I don't really remember what he looked like. I can only see one picture of him on Facebook. I'm not sure if he, I just don't know what to do. And I just, I ended up going and I'm so glad I went because we had a drink and I was just, yeah, I think I pretty much knew that I would enter in some kind of relationship with him straight away. I knew that I just didn't, Aww. I knew that there would be something there. And then we we did long distance for two years. I was in Manchester pretty much straight after I'd met him and he was in London. So yeah, we did long distance for two years, which I thought was really it, it had to be that way because I'd just come out of a really long-term relationship that was quite toxic and left me and me and my ex heartbroken because mm. we'd been together for quite a long time. And I just did not have any interest in meeting someone else. So yeah. I said to him, it has to be chilled because I can't, I, I wasn't sure if I was even ready for a boyfriend. And actually we did take it easy, like for the first few months. Well, that's quite nice though, in a way, yeah. having that long distance mm. thing between you, because it does, it does slow things down. It's not like you can just, you know, pop around there on a Monday evening and Absolutely. ring the doorbell and be like, I'm here with the curry. Yeah. And you can keep things fresh and exciting, can't you? If you're not with each other all the time, they're not seeing you like poo. Yeah. Straight away. <laughs> I have never pooed in front of anybody. We we all we're the same. I've never done a poo. Yeah. I think how many, I think I've known my husband for sixteen years and I, we've never pooed in front of Thank each other. God so you know, that, still George. keeping it still keeping it fresh. What about trumping? Because I'm mortified. I don't trump in front of him. No, I don't really. I can't. If think I of a do, time I get really have. embarrassed. I yeah. get really embarrassed. 
Yeah. No. no comment from this side, but let's <laughs> no, just say that loved it. <laughs> sometimes they accidentally slip out when I'm bending over to do my shoe up and then they get really loud ones. But oh, you can no. play around the kids, so it's fine. So embarrassing. <laughs> I hate and I when I was when I was pregnant, I had really bad, uncontrollable wind and it was so awful. And he used to find it hilarious because he said, you know, you've gone your whole like our whole relationship, you have not like guffed in front of me once and now you can't control them and it's really funny because you're mortified every time it happens um and I was I just I was so embarrassed but it's really hard I think the pressure of it all is just anyway let's stop talking about (laughs) so your relationship started off you were long distance and then when did you decide it's like this is serious and then you started having conversations about whether or not to start a family so I remember saying to him on that very first date that I wasn't going to go on because I was so hungover I just want to lay my cards on the table by the way I'm not interested in marriage I don't want kids this is just a bit fun and he thought I know what he was thinking. He, I mean, he tells me now. He was, yeah. he was thinking, calm down. I've literally just met you for a drink yeah. and that's fine. But I didn't ask him. I think I remember asking him at the time if he wanted to be a – I don't think I did ask him. I wouldn't have asked – I wouldn't have asked something like that on the first day if he wanted to be a dad, if he wanted kids. But for me, it was just – it wasn't even worth think, talking about because it was just the first date and we were having a bit of fun. Yeah. But – the com- and he knew though, so he knew. So I'd laid my cards on the table. So he knew I didn't want kids or I didn't want to get married. And we we got see it. We, I think we made it official in like September or October. So four months after we'd been together. And then I think the serious conversations didn't really begin until a few years later because we were both just enjoying our relationship and enjoying traveling together and going out together and doing loads of fun dating activities together. You know, I didn't move. To- Once I moved to London after two years, we really then kind of started we moved in together straight away once I moved to London. So then we were enjoying living together. So that was a kind of a year or two. And it was only after about a year of living together that he said, it would be good to start thinking about the future. And I said, just remember what I told you on the first date, bud. And he went, well, yeah, but now we've been together for a long time. And when you make a commitment to somebody and you're together a long time, the next logical step is that you, you know, you do something like you get married or you have kids. And I said, yeah, that's what, society says we should do but we're not all the Mm. same and it's absolutely fine if you don't want to get married and it's also fine if you don't want children and he said yeah but we kind of have to be on the same page don't we because we're in a relationship which was a very good point yeah and so then followed years actually of really uncomfortable and awkward conversations because I always reminded him of how I felt and I didn't feel any different despite being madly in love with him and wanting to marry him actually by that point Um, But I still didn't change my mind about having kids. I was really happy with just a dog. Yeah. What were the reasons in your head that you didn't want to become a mother? I enjoyed my freedom. I enjoyed my life. I felt really happy and fulfilled in the relationship I had and with the people around me and my dog um, that that I only ever craved another dog. I often wonder, actually, if I didn't have dogs, if I'd have wanted children sooner. I was just about to say that because I don't want to get a dog because I love, I don't have a dog now. The kids want to get a dog and I love dogs. I grew up with dogs, but I also mm-hmm. don't know if I've got the capacity to love another being because I've got three children that I have to love and look after and they're really demanding. Mm. And I think if a dog started coming at me with the apps <laughs> and the feeding and I need a walk, I'd be like, well, fuck off because I've yeah. got time to do that now. Had it been the other yeah. way around, it might have, I might have felt differently. Mm. It's a really good point. And I think that I felt so in love with Baxter and he was my baby. He still is my baby. And 
and I loved being I was so maternal with him that I felt like I had a I felt like I had a child like I would I would walk him every day I would take him on little doggy play dates I would you know I had to feed him I had to pick up his poo I was a mother to Baxter but that was enough for me I never craved anything else I didn't have that loud biological clock ticking away inside me like so many women feel and it still just didn't appeal to me despite like so many of my friends in our friendship group and you know both my sisters as well having kids it just it wasn't something that I looked Mm. at and thought I want that I was really happy with just bodge. I loved, I wanted to focus on my career. I was very career driven in my, you know, early thirties where I wanted to just, I wanted to make a success of the radio. And I really enjoyed going on holiday with bodge and us just being able to do what we wanted to do. Cause despite all my friends being really happy with children, I could, you know, you, you do see that you're not, you're not able to do everything. Like I could leave Mm. Baxter at home and go to the cinema with bodge. I could leave Baxter at home and go out for dinner with bodge and, and I just, I really loved my independence mm. and a disposable income. And I just, I felt really, really like just complete. complete? I didn't feel like yeah. I needed yeah. anything else, which so often women are told, oh, having children completes you. I'm, prob- I'm probably not the only person who, feel- who felt absolutely like complete and fulfilled and perfectly fine without children. So having somebody with, you know, who I was completely in love with, keep banging that drum of like, you know, we're together. This is the commitment we should make. Like it was really frustrating, but it also kind of did make me think, you know, yeah, you're right. I would love to kind of make another commitment to you, a long-term commitment to you. So why don't we get married? Like, let's get married. I'm happy to, I'm happy to get married. So we spoke about marriage and in 2018 he proposed and it was a surprise because I'd last minute booked a trip to Bruges and it was my idea to go, but he already had the ring that he was planning to propose to me with later that year. But he was like, I'm going to do it, Bruce, because she won't suspect anything. Mm. And yeah, I was really surprised, but I was so happy. And I thought, yeah, this is great. I, and then I said, I kept having to say to him, look, we'll try after we're married. So that was me putting it off for another couple of years. So were you at that point saying to him, listen, let's get married. Okay, there's a chance I'm going to want to have kids. Let's just wait mm-hmm. a bit. And were you were you buff, like buffering him off slightly? Or were you genuinely thinking, actually, do you know what? I'm, I, after we get married, I might come around to the idea. Completely, if I'm completely honest with you, I was hoping I'd come around to the idea. Okay. I was right. hoping. Um, because we'd, um, we'd had an accident. We'd actually got pregnant the year before uh, he asked me to marry him. And it was devastating because, one, I had to go through an abortion, which is just awful. And I felt guilty mm. because of all the women out there who can't get pregnant or who've, who are on like long IVF journeys. Mm. But also it really upset me that I'd got pregnant and that I didn't want the baby. And I felt terrified. Like mm. when I saw the pregnancy, you know, the positive pregnancy line, I just, I felt terrified because I wasn't ready and I didn't, I didn't want a baby. And, but I was with somebody that I was in love with. And I just thought to myself, I'm 37. Like if I don't want a baby now, am I ever going to want a kid? Yeah. And we had like obviously a lengthy discussion and he said for what it's worth I don't think it's the right time for us we just moved into a flat we just bought our own flat like yeah. we were renting before we bought our own flat we were just about to like look adopting another dog and I, we just yeah I had to make the the mm. decision to to go for it and mm. um so that was really hard and you know, if you've been through it it's it's mm. awful yeah. um but um but I, it's, it did scare me because I just thought to myself, am I ever going to want a baby? And then we realized, you know, in 2018, after he proposed to me and I said yes, that we were in quite a unique position in the fact that I was in my late 30s and I didn't want children because mm. most women, in fact, all my friends around me had babies or were trying or wanted children later on in life, but I didn't. And so I thought it'd be a good idea for a podcast. 
So that's when we did Maybe Baby. And the podcast was just us finding out what it's really like from those who've done it, in-depth conversations. Because I think the most commonly used phrase when you're talking about having a baby with somebody who has and you haven't is it's the hardest thing you'll ever do but it's the best it's thing the you'll best, ever do yeah <laughs> but it's such a like if you you need to delve you you need to yeah. say, if you were to what say does to that me, mean? Like, yeah, let's, let's even sit mean? down yeah. for an yeah. hour and discuss it because you can't like that phrase is just so flippant and you're like oh okay but actually they're right it is the hardest thing you'll ever do but you need to kind of delve into how hard it is like yeah i don't want to scare anyone but if someone was saying to me oh i'm on the fence i don't know i'd be I mean, just read my book. You'll see how hard it can be. It's not necessarily hard for everybody. And I don't want to scare people who are thinking of whether or not to try for a baby. But yeah, none of my friends told me how hard it really was. They all just said, it's hard, but it's great. I don't think people do because I think if people really broke down, I mean, let's not talk about the positives now. Let's just talk about the negatives. Mm. If people just told you the hard shit, it would Mm. be virtually impossible for you to get your head around. Okay, look, I know all that stuff is coming, but you haven't, but you know, I don't know about the love because I haven't felt that sort of love before. So I'm just going to focus on the bad stuff. You wouldn't necessarily have a child, I don't think. I mean, no one told me about the sleep. I mean, we'll come on to all of this, but I just wanted to, I wanted to take you back to when I was sitting on a panel with you and I was trying to work out when it was. And I think it was in, either late 2018 or early 2019. Do you remember this? Yeah. Was we Had we done the podcast at that point? I had think we, done, you, we started I think maybe you had. Maybe, I think we had. I think that's maybe why I was on the panel. Yes. Because that was 2019. So I was already engaged. And okay. we were planning a wedding for 2020. But we were doing the podcast because like I said I said to Bodge, let's get married and then we'll try for a baby after the wedding. But he always, he took that with a pinch of salt because I'd say every year from like 2016, let's try next year ask me next year and he'd go okay and then he'd ask me like two weeks after new year's eve after i'd you know he would let me have two weeks to cut to get rid of the come down of new year's eve and then he'd start talking about it and i'd always say yeah i'm not ready still you definitely weren't ready and i remember leaving that panel that day and thinking i actually really respect you more than i ever have done and i was like there's something so brilliant in the way that she's sitting there and saying do you know what i just do not want to be a mother and there was a room you could see there was a room full of people that were like that Mm. oh yeah no no and they were putting their hands up going no no you'll feel differently you'll never regret having a baby I remember someone saying and you were like I do not want to have a child and I yeah. left because I'm always that person that's like if you don't want to have a kid don't have a kid like exactly. it's completely yeah. your decision and um and then what happened three months <laughs> three months after that I think it must have been like October we did that right and I think that was the month it was when I was doing the podcast we'd also visited the list of fertility clinic to see if we were even biologically able to have a child because I thought what you know we're debating it and you're you know you're really pushing me to have a I say it sounds like he really pushed me but like he was on at me all the time he was um you know let's just see if it's even possible so we went to the fertility clinic he his checkup was absolutely fine my scan was fine but my amh blood test indicated that i might go through the menopause early and that i had hardly any eggs left and so it really brought home the fact that very soon it wouldn't be my decision to make or Mm. to even i wouldn't have a choice i wouldn't be able to discuss it with bodge because soon the decision would be taken out of my hands and i wouldn't be able to have my own child because i would run out of eggs but even when i was told that and mari wren who is the um i think she's deputy director but mari wren said to me when are you getting married and when are you, are you planning on trying? And we said, yeah, we are in about like nine months after the honeymoon. And she said, would it be the worst thing to walk down the aisle pregnant? And I said, yeah, actually, I don't want to be walking down the aisle pregnant. So mm. she said, I just wouldn't put it on the back burner for too long. But even he- hearing that didn't make me go, right, 
let's let's get let's get cracking because I still wasn't ready I still wasn't ready what was it then that made you change your mind yeah Yeah, what happened I I reckon it has to have been because I was already thinking about it and that really brought it home hearing that my AMH was really low and when our wedding got cancelled in 2020 I just thought to myself okay I have have this was in April so COVID hit in March 2020 our wedding got cancelled in April and then I turned 40 in May and I said to Bodge, I'm coming up to 40. Um, I'm starting to think, I'm starting to feel differently about my life and about, you know, entering a new decade. And also that probably it's, it's the decade where your eggs are probably going to run out or, you know, who, like, who, who, who do we know that has a child in their fifties? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's possible, but you know, yeah. I, like it's, it's not going to happen for me. I'm, I'm never going to be a mum in my fifties. So this is the decade where I try for a baby or I don't, or it's game over. And so I was acutely aware that my 40th birthday was approaching and that our wedding had been canceled. And I remember the conversations with Mari saying, don't put it on the back burner for too long, but I wanted to get married before we had a kid and we postponed our wedding till 2021. And I said to Bodge, look, I am worried if we leave it another year, what if it's, you know, we yeah. try and when I, when I really actually want to try and it's too late. So we just, we had like a couple, literally, it was a couple of weeks of conversations in May because we said, let's try now. And then if I get pregnant now, then we can still get married in 2021. I'll have like three months to get in my dress, which like thinking about it now, what idiots we were. Like how naive was I to think that three months after having a baby, I'd be okay to walk down the aisle. But um, we tried and we got pregnant straight away. Right. And I remember seeing the test and thinking, Oh my goodness, I'm so happy. I want this baby. Oh. And it's weird. It's so strange, but we are human beings. We can change our minds. Yeah. It's really odd. Like I think it has to have been a combination of I think it really brought it home when I found out that very soon I wouldn't be able to have children because I guess for so long I just resisted, but I kind of made it made it part of my personality like, oh yeah, I'm Kate and I don't want kids. Yes. And that's what Bodge always tells me and I I don't know if there's an element of truth in that. But I guess I just went so long enjoying my life and having my independence. And once we adopted Shirley, we had two dogs and I felt like our family was complete. But just the the fertility clinic, you know, doing the podcast and speaking to parents who'd done it, they all really bigged up how great it was. Um, Again, none of them told me how really hard it was. I don't know why. I remember the day after my 40th birthday, I remember sitting um, in the park and I was with Baxter and Shirley. It was a really sunny day. And sometimes we'd just sit down with other dogs and we'd just have chats with other dog parents. And I just remember sitting there thinking, I'm 40. Like, I, f- I remember when my parents turned 40 and I was a kid. And I used to think, I remember thinking, they are old. Like, yes. And I know it's not old. Yeah. I know it's not old. Mm. But I'm not 20. I'm not in my childbearing years anymore. My 30s, are, you know, my 20s, I raved hard. I, had, I did all the fun stuff. My 30s, I really focused on my career. And I met the man of my dreams. And I got a dog. And I bought a house. And now, like, I feel like I'm ready for something new. But I don't know what it is. And Bodge's like, it's a baby. You're ready for a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Bam, we got pregnant. We'll be right back after this short break. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? Do you ever have moments where you question your decision? I know I definitely do. So I some days do I think you, to myself, well, some, yeah, I do. Some days I think to myself, what is this? What is this life that I'm living <laughs> right now? What is this? What am I doing? Like, you know, and you, you know, you've got Instagram there, so you can see people who without children having a lovely time, and I'm sitting there like looking at worms in Axel's bum and then having to take worming tablets. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what? Why did I why did I do this? What is this what? life? Why did I go into this? What yeah, I do. Sometimes I do think that. And it's why haven't you spoken about worms on the podcast? Because we've we got worms, worms now again, Whoa. again. Whoa. in this house. Whoa. It is I, like, so annoying. How do like, well, how does that even happen? Well, they get it. They pass it around oh. at school. I used to get it constantly. I can't believe I'm missing this. There was one girl in my class. But I don't have worms now, but I used to get um, Anyway, it can happen. It can get passed yeah. around freely. And then they all hold hands and then they pass it on and then they touch the bum and they itch their bums and they pass it. It's, yeah, oh, it's gosh. just, they, they, yeah, they put they their get fingers it. in their bums. Great. They put their Love fingers you. in their bums. Great. Okay, anyway, back to your decision on having a child. <laughs> Do you ever wonder why you went into this? <laughs> Well, you've been very honest with your answer, G. So maybe Zoe, do you? No, ever. No, I don't. I don't ever question why I've had my kids, and I never regret having them. But I do think, like, how much more can one woman take? Yeah. So I yeah. have those moments where sometimes I think it would be fun to like smash a window with a bat just to make a loud noise to <laughs> shut everyone up. <laughs> Is that called being on the edge? That is called being right on the edge. Are you edge. okay, hun? I'm not okay. This is the thing. I think all mums struggle on a day-to-day basis with juggling so much because we are, we do just naturally, we pick up more of the chores. We pick up more of the responsibilities and I know times are changing and actually bodies are very hands-on dads. So we, we, we kind of split things more than I reckon your average couple does. And I'm really fortunate because he has a job which, you know, it's, it's, he can be flexible. But there were obviously times, and I talk about this in the book, in the early days where I couldn't believe what I'd done because I never felt like I would be happy again. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in the deepest, darkest depths of depression and I couldn't see a way out and I couldn't see Noah ever changing and I couldn't understand how I... I, I, I didn't know how to stop her crying and I didn't know how to wind her properly and I couldn't work out why she was projectile vomiting. I couldn't stop the reflux. And all these emotions, it was very early on, like the first three months where I used to think, why have I done this? Why? Mm. I can't, I'm not a good mum. Like I'm normally, I'm normally good or at least competent in anything I turn my hand to, but this is just so out of my comfort zone and I'm yeah. treading water constantly and I feel like I'm drowning and I don't feel like I can do this. And back in the day, yeah, there were moments where I felt like it was a mistake and I resented Bodge because I was constantly thinking to myself, well, he was the one that wanted a kid. And if he hadn't, mm. if he didn't want kids, then we wouldn't have one because I didn't want one. And it was all those feelings. But obviously, even back then, if somebody had come over to me and said, okay, 
we take her off you now. Yeah. You don't ever have to yeah. see her again. And no one has to know. I would be like, get the fuck away from my baby. No, mm-hmm. she's mine. Like you are, you are, and this is what I want to normalize as well. You are, it's totally normal to like love your child so much with just everything, with everything you have inside you, but also not necessarily enjoy every aspect yeah. of parenting or enjoy a parenting every day. It's normal. Do you know what? It's so interesting that you say that because you have your baby and then you take the baby home and then everyone that comes around goes, you go, oh, I feel a bit tired. And they go, yeah, but you've, you've got your baby now. And you go, yeah. oh, no, you're okay. And then you shut up and then you <laughs> okay, go, I'm not oh, tired. I'm just a bit knackered. And then they go, yeah, but yeah. Oh, you, you know, she's arrived. And you're like, yeah, I fucking know she's arrived, right? My vagina is reminding me of that every single moment. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about how I'm feeling day to day. And it's okay for me to grieve my old life, question yeah. my decision, think about like, am I, like you said, am I ever going to feel happiness again? Like a lot of people go through that, but we're not really allowed to say it in society. No, it's such a taboo subject. So many of the feelings that we have are like, if we're made to feel like, because we are biologically like able to do this, mm. that we should enjoy it and love every minute of it and it's just it's hard it's a full-time job it is mentally and physically draining when you give your entire soul to your child on a daily basis as well as trying to live your own life and look after the other people or beings in your house and have a job outside of being a mum it's it's so mentally and physically exhausting that it doesn't surprise me that women often think, oh, why have I done this? And it's okay to miss your old life. It's okay to miss the person you were before you had a baby. And it's okay Mm -hmm. to miss the freedom and the independence you had before you had a baby. But at the same time, I don't want this to all be doom and gloom. Like Noah has given me the moments, the the biggest moments of joy I've ever felt in my life. Like Mm. my heart bursts whenever she like smiles at me when I wake up, when I go into her room in the morning. Like I walked into her nursery this morning and it stunk of shit. She'd done a massive poo (laughs) and she was standing there in her cot. And I was like, your room stinks. I love you. Come here and give me a cuddle. I'm just, I want her to go to sleep. I can't wait until she's asleep. And then I can't wait until she wakes up. Yeah. And yeah. that is why parenting is such a paradox because you are you might find the everyday, you know, experience of looking after a baby really mundane and exhausting and tiring, but then they'll do one thing and your heart will just explode mm. and you'll be like, Oh, this is why there it is. I'm there really it is. Happy. There's I did the euphoria. It. Yeah. Yeah, um, we, we've read lots of um, articles that you've, you know, interviews that you've you've done with various, you know, publications and, and conversations that you've had, um, you know, that have been written about about those dark days at the beginning. We've had someone on the podcast, Laura Canty, who came on to speak about her postnatal mm. depression. How bad mm. did it get for you? It was worse than I could have ever imagined. I think my pregnancy lulled me into a false sense of security because I had a good pregnancy, and I really enjoyed being pregnant and I found it fascinating watch my body change and grow this human being but I never thought I never thought for a second that I would struggle as much as I did I really mm. thought oh I'll I'll work this motherhood shit out like I'll be able to I'll be able to do it it will be hard but I'll I'll you know I'll work things out pretty quickly nothing came naturally to me I didn't I didn't find anything that easy and when I'd gone through the first, I think the first three weeks of going back and forth to hospital was quite a few A&E visits we had with Noah. Um, and then obviously going back for the last week, we, we, the last time we took her to A&E, I had to go back every day for like five days to have her antibiotics uh, administered via IV drip. So mm-hmm. th- there were three, the first three weeks were just very much like chaotic, no newborn bubble, in and out of hospital, yeah. 
is she going to die? Is she okay? Is she meant to be here? All of that. And then, and then breastfeeding started to become a challenge because her reflux was so bad from all the antibiotics. I had to take her to cranial osteo. So I was in and out of the house going to cranial osteo. All I wanted Mm. to do was just be at home with my baby. Mm. But I was just, I felt like we were just in and out, in and out, going here, there and everywhere. And we were in the middle of the pandemic. I couldn't see my family. You know, my family didn't meet Noah. Some of my family didn't meet her until she was a month old, which doesn't sound a long time, but we all know how much a baby changes in a month. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I wanted everyone to see Noah straight away, but they weren't allowed round because we were only allowed to see the people that were in our bubble. And th- my family already had their bubbles. So it was just really hard because it was doorstep waving to friends who just dropped mm. something on the doorstep. And I just mm. wanted to hug my friends. But we were very much like, you know, we had to be in isolation. COVID was rampant still. And th- all of these things combined just made me feel like I wasn't coping. And I just really struggled with those lonely night feeds because I wanted yeah. Bodge to get some sleep so he could help me in the day. And I don't regret doing that because I feel like if both of us had been tired in the day, it would have been a mess. So I, I really tried to do it on my own. And that's when my thoughts run away with me. And I started Googling like mm. postnatal depression and the signs and suicide rates among women who have had children. And I just thought to myself, well, I'm in a really dark place to be Googling this. And I didn't tell anyone that I Googled it. And I just, I think Bodge realized when we had to do a day's filming for this TV show that we did on MTV in the run-up to the uh, birth. It was called Celebrity Bumps. And um, we had to do a day's filming with them after Noah was born. During that filming, that they, I think, realised I wasn't coping very well. So the, the production company very kindly reached out and said, like, we'd, we'd like to offer you some therapy if you'll take it, wow, um, which amazing. was really kind of them. Yeah. And I feel really grateful that they did that because I was – pretty resistant and Bodge said no you're going to take it and he spoke to the psychologist who we'd spoken to uh, together before the show just to make sure that we were like okay and well equipped mentally to do the show and he he Bodge phoned him and he he said like Kate needs a therapist do you have anyone that you can recommend and he recommended this lovely lady named Anna and she became my therapist and the moment I started therapy I was better I felt better because I could tell her things that I didn't feel comfortable Yeah, you know, telling anyone else. Yeah. So the the question is, when did you decide to write the book, and who needs to read the book? I was making notes throughout my pregnancy, and um, in the first six months of Noah's life, I just was making notes rapidly because Bodge and I had planned to do a third series of Maybe Baby after Noah arrived to kind of wrap up the whole um, series because we the first series was Do I Want a Baby, the second series was I'm Pregnant, so we thought it was a nice idea. So I was making notes for that. And it was almost like keeping a diary, which I quite enjoyed. But then we decided, uh, we recorded an episode of Maybe Baby. And I just, I said to Bodge, I don't want to do this. I just feel like it's really doom and gloom. Mm. And the first two series were so upbeat and fun. And I just felt really uncomfortable talking to him. It was almost like, I don't know, I was talking to him about how I was feeling and how I didn't feel, how I how I was feeling, but I couldn't tell him at the time, but I didn't really yeah. feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. And it was really strange because a publisher got in touch and said, would Kate be interested in writing a book? And I thought that's the, that's the outlet. That's how I, yes. that's how I get all this out there because I feel more confident writing it than talking. Like you, you know, like you've heard me muddle my words. I struggle to articulate what I'm trying to say often. And I'm much better at writing things down. I wouldn't say that I wouldn't at all. say that at all. It's been so engaging. Oh, really? I feel like I waffle and I repeat the same things like I don't 
I, and I and I just get you know I, I stumble over my words, but that's because I talk 100 miles an hour. My body is telling me to slow down. Uh, so I thought the book then would like that's yeah I'll write the book because I've got all these notes and I want to share my story because I'd like to help other women out there and men and carers because you know so often we are told that you know we are going to grow up, we're going to get married, and we're going to have kids, and we're going to be really happily ever after, and it, it's not necessarily the case, and it's. It, I think it's just more harmful to not have these conversations, these honest and candid conversations, because parents really need to think before choosing to have a baby about whether or not they actually want a child or they're, you know, or whether or not they are mentally equipped and all the other, you know, financially and everything like that, whether they are equipped Mm -hmm. to have a kid, because it is forever. It's a lifelong commitment. It's not like you're buying a pair of shoes and you can take them back to the shop. You are a parent until you die. You are, once you've had that baby, you have to, you know, you've got to give it your, that that baby has to be your number one priority and you've got to be prepared to sacrifice so much and it's not always going to be easy, but yeah, like making a baby with the person you love is just like, it's the, it's the best thing. Like, I mean, Bodge and I, like we look mm. at her every day and we can't believe we've made her. And that's, you know, we, we're talking about our love for each other and our love for the dogs and our love for Noah, but like, cause we've made Noah. It's just, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's mental, you isn't it? About it. You made a baby with a person you love. Like what? She's half me and she's half you. It's just, I wanted to have these conversations because I know that there are women out there, especially because I've spoken to them on Instagram who have experienced what I've gone through. And I think that's why I was very open on social media because it was almost like a cry for help. Like, are there any other women who have gone through this? And am I the only one that's finding this? really hard not just hard like my friends said it was mm. going to be really mm. hard am I the only one that has these feelings of anxiety on a daily basis like I constantly felt even now I get those days but they're few and far between like where I've just got a knot in my stomach yeah, like I have so yeah. much to do how am I going to do it and in the early days it was oh my god a knot in my stomach because she was she was asleep but she might wake up or is she too mm. hot or is she too cold or oh my god I'm leaving her with Bodge's mom is she going to die in her care or I'm weaning her is she going to choke or she's not eating is she eating enough or like it's just constantly worrying because yeah. I'm a worrier and I've got quite an anxious predisposition and I have had since I was that since I was in my mid-30s I think and so it is just like it's so full-on and I guess that's why I wanted to write the book but also it's not just for people who are considering whether or not to have a baby. It's not just for new mums. It's for all the mums that have got kids who have grown up and maybe even who are grandmums, like who have gone through this but felt like they couldn't tell anybody because back in the day there wasn't social media. There wasn't someone like me going, this is shit, is anyone else out there? Yeah. (laughs) They only had their friends and their Mm. family. And, you know, I didn't know that one of my best friends had gone through what I'd gone through until she told me after I was being honest on on Instagram, yeah. and I said, "Why yeah. didn't you tell me?" She said, "I just felt like I couldn't take." Well, it say goes anything. back to that thing we were saying at the beginning of the, of the chat, which is that you, you don't feel that you can because everyone no. everyone expects you to be in absolute bliss, and when you're not, yeah. they're like, "What? Oh, it'll be okay." Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's not just people who just don't know what to do. I think we are so much better equipped now to look out for like our friends, you know, and mm-hmm. to check in on them. We know now to do that. Whereas even like five years ago, we didn't. Like when you know when we had Axel and Luna, I didn't really. I don't know. I just didn't think. About about 
doing that. No, then you had me checking in on you every five seconds. I did. I was living down yes. the road from you. <laughs> Hello, new friend that I met in a coffee shop. Hello. Do you want to hang out? I love that. I love that. Um, and before we go, we always like to ask our guests one piece of advice that they would give to a new mum or the piece of advice they wished that they'd been given. I guess if I was giving myself advice before, even now actually, it was whether you've got children or not, it's don't allow anyone to let you feel guilty about the life choices you make because if you don't want children that's okay and so often women and men are asked why they don't want children there doesn't need to be a why nobody has to justify why they don't want children if they don't want them they don't want them but even when you have a baby you then getting people asking you are you gonna have another one but why not an only child is a lonely child. I don't have to justify my reasons for not wanting another child. If I want to just have one, that's my decision yeah. and it really shouldn't bother you. And I guess my advice for new parents is, yeah, it's perfectly normal and okay to have dark days and times where you feel like stressed and frustrated with yourself and and to have days where you feel like you might not know what you're doing. But it gets easier month by month. And in fact, it gets easier week by week. I don't yeah, want to say month by month because if you're in the throes of it and you're thinking you can't get through the next 20 minutes, which is what I was and everyone was going, just get through the first six months. And I was like, I know you're trying to help, but I don't need to hear that right now. Like, I don't even think I can get through the next day. Yeah. And you're yeah. saying I've got another six months. Like, I know that they meant it really well, but I was, that made me even worse. Like, it don't, it, and yeah. I'm just repeating what everyone told me. I was in the throes of it and so many people reached out. So many people. I, I was inundated. F friends and family, my Instagram community, everyone promised me it would get easier. And they are right. Like nothing for me is as apocalyptic as those newborn days and is as difficult. Like no one now has a tantrum, but my word, like I'm not... I'm not in a dark place like I was back then. It does get easier and your feelings change as quickly as your children do. So hang in there. Because we like to hear about the latest like products and gadgets and stuff, what would you say your five like must-haves are? Maybe for the first year of parenting. Oh, do you know what? I wrote this in the book. Ah. I am a I'm a massive fan of Love to Dream swaddles because we I got taught how to swaddle Noah in hospital and it was like the traditional method of swaddling. But babies naturally have their uh, their hands up in the womb, don't they? And they sleep yeah. with their hands up. And these love to dream swaddles. You can basically just zip your baby up in the swaddle and their hands stay up and they look like little angel wings. Aww. It's the cutest thing. And you can have those from when they're really young as well. And Noah was in hers. I mean, she's now in the love to dream sleeping bags with legs and she loves them. But as a newborn, the moment we stopped swaddling her, having her arms like like down by her down sides like, like a straight yeah. jerky, yeah, and we put her in that, and her arms, she slept so much better. So that that improved her sleep. So That's if you've, you're struggling with sleep and you don't really know what to put them in, and you don't want to leave them with a blanket because sometimes they can throw a blanket over their own heads, that is it's safe as well. So yeah. I'm all about safe sleep. Um, if you're formula feeding the Tommy Tippy Perfect Prep Machine, yes. <laughs> I didn't know about it, and we spent so long putting the bottles <laughs> in the saucepan. The noise though. <laughs> I know, but it is good, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's the perfect temperature as soon as it's done and it saves you having to put your bottle of milk in a Pyrex jug of boiling hot water. <laughs> it took us so long and someone was like, why don't you just get the perfect prep machine? I don't know. When you're a mum, it's like, of course you're going to have one of those. But actually when you're not a parent, you don't know about yeah, them. You don't even like, know what it is. I didn't yeah. know this. It's the perfect temperature within seconds. I'm a big fan of the snoo shade. Um, oh, yes. They do, the snoo shades they do for your 
pram and your buggy and it's basically safe to keep the sun out but it also if they're napping in the day and it's quite bright it gives them a bit of darkness but more the snoo shade that i love even though that snoo shade is great is the one for the cot so if you don't have like blackout yeah yeah, it's so good because when we went on holiday our hotel room did have blackout curtains but it still wasn't dark enough so we put the snoo shade over the cot and her cot was completely blackout so that i'd recommend like noah's a nuzzler so she really loved nuzzling into my arm when i held her and our doula said to me, like, you should get a, like a little comforter because she's, she's going to like nuzzling into one. And everybody buys you comforters when you have a baby. Yes. Like it's one of the most common presents you get, like a comforter. So she had quite a lot of comfies, but there was one I got sent and from, I think it's from the little baby hut and it's like a chunky knit comfy and it's got holes in. So if it's over her head, which so often it is, we'll, like, we'll look at her in bed and we're like, look at her right now on the monitor. She's laying there and she's like her arms out and the comfy is just over her face, but it's covered in holes. So it's fine. Yeah. But that is her favorite comfy and it's, and it washes such a mum comment. It washes so it washes well. So well. It, oh, it comes up really so well in the wash. Yeah, yeah, it does. But they come up well, it comes up well in the wash and it's not expensive and it's so soft. And she, when I say, where's your comfy? She grabs it. And she puts it in their face and she loves it. So I'd recommend a nice, soft, chunky, knit comfy. Okay, I think for us, I can speak for Georgia, although I haven't asked her yet. She might say afterwards, oh, what a crap conversation that was. Um, but we absolutely love you. We think everything that you're doing on social media um, is brilliant, kind of raising awareness around this subject. And thank you for being so honest. I think you're helping millions of women out there and I cannot wait to get my hands on a copy of your book. Thank you, ladies. And keep up the good work with thank your podcast you. as well. It's brilliant. I want to go on a night out with Kate Lawler. Oh, and get drunk and do shots with her (laughs) me too get on a train back to Birmingham with her I was really laughing about that can you imagine how he felt he woke up in the morning and she basically couldn't remember anything that happened (laughs) then he had to get the train back to London from Birmingham with an awful hangover and then he's greeted by a round of that's amazing his co-workers that really really made me laugh I mean that what a great night for him I mean seriously <laughs> doesn't matter how hungover you were you would be on that train journey thinking did I just snog Kate Lawler did that just happen I'm not quite sure oh brilliant <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't. Um, but also, you know, Kate's so honest about how she's felt, you know, in the last year. She, you know, she's made 12 months, first 12 months of motherhood. And um, it, it's not, you know, it's not always easy. And I, I was really, you know, I was really pleased that she, she sort of said that she doesn't always love it. And of course she really looked into whether or not she wanted to be a mother in the first place or not and then had made the decision um, and still, you know, was surprised by how difficult it was and how much stuff can come up that you don't always expect. So thank you so much, Kate, because I think it really helps um, when we've got people like you around who are so honest and open about how they're feeling and how they're struggling. But also, you know, now coming out the other side of it a year on, really enjoying it you know and, and loving you know loving certain certain parts of motherhood yeah and, and that's really important I think that's something that Georgia and I always try and focus on that it's absolutely okay to say that you're not enjoying it it doesn't mean you're yeah. not going to enjoy it forever people yeah. are really terrified of saying that they're not enjoying parenting you know oh no well you know you, I, I wouldn't want anyone else you know wouldn't want it to get back to anyone else I wasn't having a great time all the time so like, of course it's not a great time all the time and actually sometimes during parenting you can feel like you're never going to come out of the pits yeah. but actually you do it's like up and it's like the the wildest ride, roller coaster ride of your life isn't it yeah and also I just think 
you know people have different jobs and they like different aspects of their job and they might yep. not like other aspects it doesn't mean that you hate your job yeah it's the same, it's the same. With, you know, it's the same you know some people love the you know the slow pace of life at the beginning maybe some people can't bear that and they want to be out doing activities with their kids you know it's hmm. everyone has yeah a different opinion on the things that they like and they don't and different experience and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah. so yeah thank you we love that chat yeah we really did we hope you guys did as well as always we would love your feedback um you can rate review subscribe and follow the podcast please please if you have time um do leave us a review because they're so lovely we love reading them they really give us a little a little yeah. perk up actually we do we like the confidence boost um but if you have got any feedback or anything you want to discuss on the back of this podcast or anything any topic you think that would be great um, for us to have a chat about then please do just drop us a dm we're on at made by mamas on instagram and we'll be back on friday made by mamas is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the wonderful charlotte mason insanity group normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.